0: Welcome back to the 7B podcast. I'm Dylan Green. Uh, today I'm sitting down with Peggy Fry, the Forensic Interviewer and Center Director at the Lilybrook uh, Justice Center here in Sandpoint. Um, thanks for being on the show today, Peggy.
1: Yeah, thank you for coming out.
0: Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about the Lilybrook Justice Center because for me, um, it was something I didn't know a lot about when I moved here about a year and a half ago and started my job here at the B. Um, mm-hmm. But recently, our uh, managing editor did a story about a um, a fair you guys did, a little kids fair. Right. Just right? kind of yeah. let people know about the center. Um, but tell us a little bit more about it and why it's so important to have it.
1: So, <clears throat> Lily Brook is uh, one of seven child advocacy centers in the state of Idaho, and we are actually a child advocacy center built within a family justice center. So, um, I guess, technically speaking, we deal with all kinds of family violence, um, right. abuse that's going on within the whole family structure, um, and the CAC side, the Child Advocacy Center, really just focuses on the children. And that's really the heart of what we do. Mm -hmm. And so we work with um, all of our local police departments, the sheriff's office, the prosecutor's office, health and welfare, to really come together and um, collectively work these cases together and make sure that we are doing right by kids in our community that are experiencing abuse. Um, so here we do the forensic interviews and um, we can provide families with all kinds of resources. We partner with Kinexu Health Services that provides us with um, therapeutic services um, mm-hmm. and um, is willing to work with our families. So um, that's really kind of in a nutshell what we do uh, without <laughs> getting into you know all the details of all of it. But... Right.
0: You know, one thing that you mentioned to me and... Um, that was evident in the article that Carolyn did, um, was how this, the way the process this goes is, you know, the kids are interviewed once instead of going through this process where they're interviewed by several different people and having to recount their story, and sometimes that story can be different each time because they're being asked questions different ways. I guess how important is having that ability to just have that one interview with a child going through such a tough point in their life and trying to tell that to a stranger really
1: right <clears throat> so that forensic interview really is the center of everything that we do yeah so that child knows what happened to them and there are all these departments um the, the police health and welfare the prosecutors Um, that need to know that information but how do we extract that information from a child without harming the child any further. So the best way to do that is to bring all of those people here Mm -hmm. and then have that forensic interview done here with our trained forensic interviewers. I'm one of them. And so that child only has to tell their story one time. Um, And that you know, when when we're looking at child abuse, um, child sexual abuse, these kiddos do not want to talk about it. Um, so the, the more we can pay attention to their needs and less about our needs, the better we're doing by these kids. So um, that interview gets all of those um, departments the information that they need to be able to do their piece. But then it also... Puts us all in the same room, so that we're collectively working together um, on these cases, and we're all communicating, and we're working this as a team. And we have shifted our focus back onto what's what does this child need, and what, are this, what is the best interest of this child, and how can we make this process go a lot easier for them versus the way we did it, you know, not very long ago, where. <laughs> everybody did their own thing on their own turf um, and that child was expected to go talk to everybody. Um, This is just a much friendlier, um, child-focused way to do things.
0: Right, right. So I guess um, how did you kind of get involved in doing this kind of stuff? How did you get into being a forensic interviewer and, and get involved kind of with the center?
1: So I have been an employee of the prosecutor's office for the last 16 years, working specifically with victims of crime, and um, always with victims of domestic violence, Mm -hmm. and then later on in my career, it was victims of child sexual abuse, um, and even up to homicides. And it was the kids that really kind of tugged at my heart, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I just through working cases in the prosecutor's office, you know we're in a stuffy, sterile, we're in a, an attorney's office. I mean, right. it's not a child friendly <laughs> setting, and uh, we're bringing kids in, and and we have attorneys in suit and ties, you know, coming from court, and we have legal books on the walls, and right. it's there's no toys anywhere. There's nothing in the that building that says you know welcome children. Right. It's it's meant for business. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just really hard to work with those kids and just see them not want to come in and talk to us, and they wanted out of that building as fast as they could get out. Um, so through the course of doing that and then uh, really watching one case in particular fail, and it failed on a systemic level, it, and it it was our fault. And um, it was really, I was at a point where, I was either going to change careers, go do something completely different because mm-hmm. I didn't, I couldn't watch these kids go through this anymore mm-hmm. or really try to change the way we're doing things. And so that is how I started researching CACs. They were really kind of the, the new trend. Um, and I just kind of had a hairbrained idea that, Hey, well, let's just start one here. Um, and my boss said, okay. Um, and, here we are today <laughs> it's a lot bigger than what we thought it was going to be right. and but it has made such a huge impact on the kids that are coming in and the families and the cases we're seeing um, so it's right. it's rewarding and then you know putting the center together uh, we needed a forensic interviewer so mm. um, not everybody wants that role right um, it's a difficult role to have so um, I just said okay I'll do it Um, and that's that's how I fell into it so yeah (laughs) it's kind of my own making
0: right right well that's I mean it's definitely commend you for taking that on I mean this is a huge uh, important thing and I think uh, a lot of people don't know about it too in the community and um, it's and I think it was 2017 right that this was founded so it's it's somewhat new I guess Um, but I mean how have you kind of seen in these you know, a couple of years that you guys have been, been here, have you seen the amount of people and the amount of kids come in and be willing to share their stories and be more open? How have you seen that kind of happen?
1: Um, <clears throat> well, you know, just going back through and looking at our statistics mm-hmm. um, and the numbers of people that are coming through, um, and I don't, I don't know what to, to really contribute this to. I don't know if it's soci- societal change. Um, I don't know if it's the Me Too movement and right. people really starting to talk about this. Um, but our numbers f- just from 2018, because we, we really opened at the end of 2017, so right. tracking from 2018 just to 2020, our numbers have doubled. Wow. Um, and we continue with that trend. Um, so it's, you know, little by little, the word is getting out. People are telling, you know, their friends, hey, if you have an issue, come talk to these people. Right. Um, we're easier to access, easier to find. Like, we're our own standalone facility now. So, you know, they don't have to worry about coming in and having, you know, police officers and attorneys and whoever in the building when they're trying to talk to us about, you know, things that are happening to them and their families so that's helpful um but yeah we've had such a positive such good feedback from the families that we have been able to serve and and help here that you know it really kind of inspires us to keep growing and and keep doing what we're doing
0: right right so I guess you know obviously this is a you know, it's a, it's a tough issue for a lot of people, you know, a lot of kids to come forward about and, and talk about um, when you're in these kind of, you know, interviewing the kids, what kind of, I guess, uh, approach do you take to, um, you know, let them kind of share their stories and not try and, um, you know, push one way or another to kind Mm -hmm. of make sure that they're getting their whole story out and that you're not pressuring them in any sort of way. How do you kind of go about that? Because that can be very difficult kind of with, you know, especially with a child.
1: Mm -hmm. So that's really um, the whole basis of a forensic interview. Um, I know a lot of parents kind of freak out when they hear that term forensic interview i don't i think they're envisioning like people like us hooking you know (laughs) stuff up to their children and
0: you know it's
1: not that at all um it's really such a non-scary process right um it's the forensic interview it's scientists scientifically research-based types of questioning Mm -hmm. how best to pose questions to children Um, it really takes into account their developmental level their language skills Um, it's really I guess the biggest takeaway is it's a very non-suggestive conversation with a child and we are trained on uh, what question types to ask or not ask how to ask things how not to ask things Mm -hmm. we're trained you know always being aware of our own body language in that room and then our own demeanor and, um, the things that we are doing that might be distracting that child or that could lead to the child giving us an answer that maybe, um, we want to hear from them. So it's, it's, it's a process of constantly keeping ourselves in check um, when we're interviewing that child. And, um, realistically it's less of an interview and more of a conversation that we're having with them mm-hmm. um and it's in the beginning parts of the of that interview process you know we are spending quite a bit of time just building rapport with the child so right. we are taking the time to get to know them and so that their nerves can really kind of calm down and um we can get them talking and get them settled in And then we also use Ken, our facility dog. Um, He's our our wonder dog. Um, And he does those interviews with me, visits with the kids and the families. Um, If you haven't met Ken, I mean, come by. You have to meet Ken. (laughs) He's kind of an icon in the community at this point. Um, And Ken really, uh, he really just, he lowers their blood pressure. He just provides that calming just you know, most of the time he's snoring um <laughs> and it, it just makes things less scary when there's right. when there's this big sleepy dog in the room <laughs> um it kind of humanizes us a little bit to right. these kids and these families so and then ken he's a trained facility dog <clears throat> and he can actually so we start him at the very beginning of a of an investigation at the forensic interview, okay. and then Ken can follow that child through the whole life of the case. Wow. So <clears throat> anytime they're coming in to speak with attorneys, anytime they're having to go to court, he can actually go up on the stand with them. Really? Wow. Um, yeah. So we... two thousand seventeen, 2017, same, about the same time we were opening Lilybrook, mm-hmm. um, we were actually able to get some legislation going um that allows trained facility dogs on the stand with children so throughout the state of idaho so um there's only three of him in Idaho, only one in North Idaho. <laughs> right. um, so we're very lucky to have him. Yeah,
0: he's a special um, dog.
1: <laughs> yeah, he is very special, and, and he knows it. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He takes yeah. advantage of that. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> he,
0: he loves all the kids because he gets all the pets. that yeah, he does. Uh, oh, he
1: loves kids. Absolutely, he yeah. loves kids. So.
0: No, I think that's really cool because um, animals are a really big yeah. thing in terms of you know comforting for people in general, but definitely kids and soothing them and just mm-hmm. kind of making them feel comfortable. So that is, that's a nice resource to have. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess how much do you kind of enjoy your job and how much satisfaction you get, you know, kind of, you know, being someone that helps these kids get through these challenging times in their life and, you know, gets these cases through the court system. How do you feel I guess about kind of what you're able to do for them.
1: Mm -hmm. You know I get that question all the time, how do you do what you do? (laughs) Um, That's the question I get asked um, almost on a daily basis. Yeah. And um, you know my outlook on it is this, there are three kinds of people in the world. There are people that know this is happening and choose to ignore it. Mm There are people that know this is happening and want to do something about it. And then there are people that know this is happening and are doing something about it. And so I choose my choice. I don't ever want to be in the other two categories. (laughs) Um, I want to always be someone who is doing something about it. And so I feel like it's an honor, it's a privilege to actually be that person that this child is trusting enough to tell their story to because once that happens then healing begins and so it is sometimes it's hard to hear what we have to hear right um but keeping that in mind that you know that this is the this is that turning point where they start the path to healing Mm. really keeps me going Um, yeah and that's really my answer to anyone that asks me that is like how could I not do that? I feel complete like absolute privilege to be able to be right. that person. Yeah. So
0: I bet your the parents that come in here to ask you that every time. How do you yeah. how do you do this? <laughs> Why do you do this, you know? Yeah. So yep. I can I bet you answer that question on a daily basis. All the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um Yeah. And and this is like you said one of 7 in the state. Mm-hmm. But um Really, you guys cover a big range because you got to cover Boundary County. Some come up from Kootenai, and then you can have some in the outer areas kind of closer mm-hmm. to Washington, Montana borders. Um, I mean, how far away have you had kids come up here for to, to Lilybrook?
1: Um, I think the farthest has been – so we've had kids come from Spokane. We've had kids come from Lewiston. Okay. Now, with that being said, there is a CAC in Coeur d'Alene. Right. um, And so they can do interviews there as well. Um, It really hinges on what those families are able to do, and we have resources to be able to help them to get here. Mm -hmm. Um, But if if the crime occurred here, we like to have that interview happen here um, just because we like to have our team working with this family from the get-go. Sure. But if that's not possible, then we can use... Other CACs, so there is, like I said, we are one of seven. There's us here in Sandpoint. There's one in Coeur d'Alene, mm-hmm. and then the rest are all in southern Idaho. So, right. So us and the Coeur d'Alene CAC handle a huge amount of these cases in all of North Idaho. Right. Um, so it's a, a lot. it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do yeah.
0: You, is there? I I don't know if you know comparison wise, but like. Say for like Washington, is there a lot of those centers in that state or how is that kind of compares or just not maybe those resources there?
1: They do have centers in Washington. Um, It it really depends on which which side of the state you're talking about, because um, just like Idaho, north and south is completely different Um, in Washington Um, East and West is completely different. It's two different um, states, I'd argue. Yeah, (laughs) there's there's definitely division lines, and you feel like there's two different worlds. Um, So I'd say on the West side of the state, they have um, several Mm -hmm. centers over there. I I don't know the particular numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, On the Eastern side of the state, they're a little more spread out, um, just the rural area. Um, But there is one in Spokane, um, so, so there, there is access to them, but some, you know, depending on where that family is, there might be a drive involved.
0: Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was just kind of curious just cause, um, you know, it's an issue that I don't think a lot of people pay attention to and I don't think realize how big of an issue it really is right. and how many kids are affected by it. Um, and so it's just, you know, nice to know there are centers like this, but also, you know it's definitely uh, apparent that there needs to be more because Absolutely. of you know just because yeah. of the um the sheer number of cases and the sheer number of kids you have to go through yes. And and like you said traveling and stuff those are just more hurdles to jump through for mm-hmm. these stories to be told and for these cases to come forward so right, right. um yeah, I can. I can only imagine, and and I only brought the Washington thing because well, that's where I'm from, so yeah, I guess I, I am too. So okay, so <laughs> yep. you know, and that that's was, how like,
1: I know the East and West is completely different. Right. <laughs> I grew up on the West Side. There you go.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that that was kind of like in comparison, because you know, I don't growing up, I don't think I ever knew about any of that stuff. Yeah. So, well, and
1: it's very common if yeah. you know if abuse is not an issue in your household, right? Why would you know about something like this? It's I growing up I had no idea there was even such thing as abuse in families that was such a an eye-opener for me Mm -hmm. um but you know I ultimately it would be wonderful if no one had to know about us but that's not the reality um and I think that you know people really need to pay attention because it is so prevalent is so prevalent um Right now, I don't, I don't know what, what or why I don't understand it. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I ever will, but there are kids out there that really need us to stand up for them and really champion them, um, when they are disclosing, um, what has happened to them because it, it takes, it takes a lot for them to actually disclose. So
0: yeah, no, it's gotta be the hardest thing as a kid. I couldn't imagine going through something like that. So I'm trying to come forward. Um, so, obviously, I got kind of a tour of this mm-hmm. place, but I guess kind of take me through or give a couple examples of the stuff that you guys have here so when kids come in, they kind of feel at home or at, I think you said, like you're at Grandma's house. Right, <laughs> how, right. how are you guys trying to do that?
1: Yep. Yeah, so, we are set up um, to model a house, mm-hmm. obviously a, a very big house because we're, <laughs> we're in the McFarland house, which is a very historic home mm-hmm. um, in Point and um you know obviously you saw but the inside is set up like a home you walk into a dining room Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and so we have food we have snacks we have juice boxes and we have coffee for the parents and tea whatever they need and um we use lamps instead Mm -hmm. of the bright fluorescent lights anything we can do to really bring that anxiety level down and then um so for the kiddos we have tv we have movies we have you saw gobs of toys downstairs <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um we have a, a, a kitchen place that everyone seems to love to um cook meals for yeah. us um crayons art stuff we have you know the small kids table where they can sit and do art if right. they want to we have an xbox um the kids have to show us how to use it because (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know how it works, but, um, they seem to like it. Um,
0: sounds like a kid's dream. really. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We
1: have, we actually have kids that don't want to leave, which is the polar opposite of what was happening. Um, when Mm. my office was still in the prosecutor's office, they could not wait to get out of that building. Um, and I've, you know, had kids tell me that, you know, they never wanted to come back again, which that's yeah. heartbreaking right. to hear. So it's, you know, it kind of warms my heart to hear, but I don't want to go home. And, you know, um, I, I feel sorry for the parents because <laughs> that they have to navigate that with their child, right. but yeah. um, it really um, lets us know that we're doing this right. Yeah. And, and we've really fixed a blaring problem that we had in the criminal justice system is that we are expecting kids or we hadn't been expecting kids to meet us on an, a very adult level Yeah, when they are only so far in their development and that's not fair that's no. not a level playing field they're set up to fail from the beginning so the more that we can even those stakes out and make that playing field a little more conducive to their needs right um the better we are serving them and Mm -hmm. the the better chances we have of actually successfully making it through a case with them
0: no for sure for sure um i guess is there anything else that you want people to kind of know about the center here in the community um like i said maybe some people know about it or haven't heard about it um Mm -hmm. or is there any way that people can help help support the center help
1: yeah, so, um, so the other piece that I have not really mentioned mm-hmm. is we do all the domestic violence stuff in the county. Mm-hmm. So protection orders, safety planning, um, and then we handle uh, our criminal caseload for the prosecutor's office. So all victims of crime come right. through us. Um, and we are able to, um, with those victims, um, if it's safety is an issue, because we don't have a safe house in Bonner County, mm-hmm. um, you know, we can do plane tickets bus tickets train tickets gas cards to get them to a safe place if Mm -hmm. they and so we give grocery cards we Mm -hmm. buy diapers we've paid utility bills um and all of that stuff comes through donations we do not have a a a set budget for that Um, that is all through community donations so i guess that's the biggest piece that you know for the community to know and to understand, mm-hmm. um, and for the kiddos that we serve too, yeah. a lot of times we're taking their electronics because mm. stuff might be on, you know, phones or laptops or things. Right. And school is all electronic based these days, and yeah. so we've had to replace laptops mm. um, to get them a telephone or telephones, cell phones all <laughs> the time. I'm aging myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that all comes out of those donations. So right. if people want to help, that is the best way to do it. Um, just ensuring that we have the ability to do those things with families. Um, and then, you know, we use volunteers for yard work. Obviously, there's a lot of grass and um, flower beds and stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, with our event planning and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, this center is uh, an amazing thing, and uh, Thank you. I think it's, you know, what you do, obviously, like I said, is, is uh, you know, I don't think many people would will be willing to do what you do, and I think everyone would say we're glad that we have someone like you yeah. that's willing to do that, and I'm sure the kiddos are as well, and the parents and the families that go through these things. Um, so I just really appreciate you sitting down and talking to me yeah. a little about about this because I think it's an important thing to be for people to know about and for people to understand. So, yeah, um, thank thanks you. for for coming on and talking to us.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me and and helping us get the word out. Yeah, that we're here and um, you know ready to listen.
0: Yeah, definitely, so. definitely. All right. Well, thanks, Peggy, and uh, we will see you guys next time on the Seven B Podcast. Mm-hmm.